Holy Hour of Power, the Terry and Jesse show. Two Catholics that love the Lord, love Our Lady. Got a PhD in common sense. And uh, we are both reporting for duty. Terry, are you are you reporting for duty, my friend? I see Terry, but I don't I don't uh, I don't know if he's on duty yet. Well, let me just uh, mention that the month of May is dedicated to the Blessed Virgin Mary. It's spring in North America. The flowers are beginning to bloom. The earth is fresh and new and symbolizing new life. Mary's yes, her fiat to bear Jesus to the world gave us new life. She's the new Eve of the new creation. And this month, as Mother's Day is celebrated. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we celebrated Mother's Day. Remember not only your earthly mother throughout the month of May, but also honor Holy Mother Mary as well every single day. Terry, are you on duty, my friend? I'm with you, brother. I'm on duty. I'm coming from my house, so I appreciate that. Hey, Jess, uh, we've got a great show ahead of us, and this is the end of May, and I'm glad we're talking about Our Lady. This is a Friday. Remember on Fridays to not eat meat and do some form of penance, especially in the world that we're living in. We got oh, yeah. a, a great show today, Jess, because we're going to talk again about the L.A. Dodgers. We're going to have Bishop Barron make a statement that I'm really glad he made. We need more bishops to speak up like this, uh, basically saying, calling out the Dodgers and saying, stop this or we're not going to support you. So we'll be covering that. And the Biden administration hiring a former leader of an anti-Catholic group at the center of the L.A. Dodgers Pride Night controversy. You got to hear this. Also, and I think it's probably the most important topic of the day, and that is catechesis. Why bishops are to blame for emptying the Catholic churches across, just not Australia, but all across the world because of bad catechesis. And we're going to get into that. We experienced that in our own lifetime, Jesse. And then I think really important also is 14 simple steps to Eucharistic revival. That won't cost $28 million that the bishops are putting out. And I, and I think that uh, Phil Lawler, a good friend of the show, nailed it. And I was just hope and wish and pray that the bishops will take his advice. Also, Jesse, just a quick note on a good news note. What was it that Target lost? We got a text yesterday from JT, and it was in a huge amount of money from, I think it was Ed Visner who um, told us about this. And it's a huge amount of money that they lost uh, so far because people are not shopping. Nine billion, I'm I'm reading it here. Nine billion dollars in a week following the boycott calls over the LGBTQ-friendly kids' clothing. That's a good news story. Nine billion dollars. Jesse, do you think it's our Catholic moment now because we're pushing back on these things? It seems to me that we've been pushed for so far, so long, that it's almost like the Budweiser event that took place where people... Boycotted that, they lost a ton of money. Maybe, just maybe, Jesse, this m- month of June that's dedicated to the Sacred Heart of Jesus, not to uh, sodomy. Uh, yeah. Maybe, maybe they're going to get the message, and that uh, the support will start to want waver. That's my prayer, Jess. I hope you're right, Terry. Uh, I, I hope you're right from your lips to God's ears. Um, a couple of other things that are, Need to that know. are tr- yeah, that are uh, trending. Mm-hmm. Uh, as Catholics, Terry, uh, again, Bishop Barron, what he did, oh. uh, we got, we got to give him kudos. I agree. Uh, and he used to be a Bishop in Los Angeles. Let's not forget. And the fact is he's, uh, he's, it was a Strickland moment for him. Well, you, you know, know I think Strickland is influencing I think you're right, his brother Terry. bishops. Yeah, yes. I think so. 
that that makes sense to me. Yeah. So uh, a couple of other things I think we mentioned it before that yeah that uh, uh, Catholic vote has, t- has tracked that there's over 300 Catholic churches that have been attacked uh, since May 2020. That yeah. that's something that uh, we have to mention time and time again. There's also, uh, again, you all know that the FBI is targeting pro-life Catholics. That hasn't stopped. Uh, and uh, also, the as Catholics, don't uh, don't uh, shop at Target. Nope. We have to we have to support Terry these non woke companies because this woke culture is uh, is a cancel culture. And this cancel culture, let's just be honest. This is this this is the implementation of communism in our country. Of course it is. Yeah. Also, the Jesuit magazine doesn't surprise me. They're defending. They wrote an article defending this anti-Catholic hate group. Yeah. Uh, the Jesuit-run American magazine. Michael O'Laughlin explained his complicated feelings about the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, and the article credits. Uh, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, which are homosexual men, yes. with doing charitable work, but does not mention that the group currently raises funds for a clinic that subjects children to transsexual surgeries. So once again, Jesuit Magazine is on the opposite side of the issue. Also, yeah, yeah Terry. Now, just a quick note. Uh, you talked earlier about all the churches being torched. Just over last weekend, a 122-year-old Catholic church in Western Canada uh, sustained unrepairable heavy damage from being set ablaze. So two guys got caught fi- lighting a, a beautiful church in Alberta. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's not just America. They're going to Canada and other parts of the world. This is a uh, a battle that's going on. They they, they, they want to get rid of anything that has Christ in it, anything that's yeah. going to try and show them that what they're doing is bad. They're going to do what they can to get rid of us. And that's why lovingly we need to give them the truth yeah and as uh as steve bannon says we've got to go medieval on them that's right we got to go medieval on them same uh, by the way terry saint philip mary pray for us it's his feast day today uh yeah tell us about him jesse about how he used to hover over the and when he would say mass this guy's an amazing saint yeah he was born in 1515 uh philip was educated among the dominicans at Mm san marco he spent time with the Benedictines at Monte Cassino, then pursued, yep. uh, he's pursued solitary study in Rome. Uh, St. Philip received many mystical graces, the most telling of which was a mystical enlargement of his heart. Can you imagine that? Amazing. Which he described as being ignited with God's own spirit. And in 1551, he began his priestly ministry in Rome, spending long hours hearing confessions with joyful energy, Philip drew people from all walks of life to the oratory wow. for meetings that combined spiritual reading, prayer, and music. And soon other priests joined him in a loose association called the Congregation of the Oratory. Philip died in 1595. Again, he was a man that, would, uh, that had many uh, charismatic gifts, and he used them for the glory of God. Terry. Awesome. All right. Well, Jesse, if, if you're finished with that, let's yep. get some soul food in our soul. Gospel of John. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. John chapter 21, verses 15 to 19. After Jesus had revealed himself to his disciples and eaten breakfast with them, he said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Simon Peter answered him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. He then said to Simon uh, Peter a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? 
Simon Peter answered him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was distressed that he said that he had said to him a third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Amen, amen, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to dress yourself and go where you wanted. But when you grow old, you'll stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. He said this, signifying by what, by what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had said this, he said to him, follow me, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. And in fact, Peter, the apostle was crucified upside down on Vatican yep. Hill. Yep. Uh, his wife was crucified right next to him, right side up. And so we see here that our Lord asked Peter three times. He asked him, if you love me. So people are saying, well, is our Lord lacking confidence in, in, in Peter? What's going on here? Uh, this passage is a prime example. Jesus is certainly reminding Peter of his sin of cowardice and having denied him three times over in Matthew 26, verse 69 to 75. And so in order to bring Peter to full repentance and restoration to full communion with himself, in contrast, it's easy to see the connection between the threefold denial and the threefold affirmation of loyalty to Christ in today's gospel and to appreciate the consummate pastoral skill exercised by our Lord. But beyond that, John 21 is a classic specimen of the call of the prophet type of biblical narrative. These call narratives frequently follow a standardized threefold repetition. A case can be made that this threefold standard also parallels the threefold blessing given to Peter in Matthew 16, verses 17 to 19, and it serves to underscore the divine foundation of Peter's office and his authority. Terry? Well said, Jesse. Let's bring the smartest guy into the room right now. That's Archbishop Fulton Sheen. Full Sheen ahead. Jess, this fits right into our theme of the gospel. Uh, Sheen's having another conversation, and this time it's with the individuals who said to him, and made sense, truth is not something we invent. It is something we discover. And what I'm talking about that in our culture is that we're living in a culture that says, I have my truth. Jesse, you have your truth. No, 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 no. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. This is why... We have to bring sense into our culture and say, stop living in La La Land where you say, well, I think I'm seven foot four when I'm five foot four. Okay, you knock it off because that's not going to give you eternal life. The only way you're going to have eternal life is to follow Christ. Just when we come back, talk about following Christ. Bishop Robert Barron is going to give us a message regarding the Los Angeles Dodgers and how we need to embrace our Catholic faith and put that way ahead of any baseball game and tell the Dodgers that they're not going to see a penny from us until they cancel all this homosexual program. Stay with us, family. We'll be back with more on the Terry and Jesse Show. We're back, Jess. Wow. Let's get Bishop Barron's message about the Dodgers fiasco here. Mr. Engineer, let's play that clip. Hey, everybody. It's Bishop Barron. I'm sure by now you've all heard about this controversy involving the L.A. Dodgers and the 
Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. And look, I'm not going to go into all the details. Look them up on YouTube or something. You'd find what they do. I'll give you one example. I think it was on Easter Sunday, uh, there was a display where they have Jesus on the cross, so the most sacred moment in history for Catholics. And a, a drag queen comes in and kind of pulls Jesus off the cross, then does a sort of uh, pole dance on the cross. For Catholics, it's hard to imagine anything more offensive than that. Suppose this group had dressed up in a kind of simulacrum of a rabbi and had done something deeply disrespectful to the Torah, or take it a step further, had dressed up in a you know, mockery of a, of a Muslim cleric or imam, and then had desecrated the Quran. What would the reaction be? You know, those questions answer themselves, but somehow attacking Catholics in this most uh, uh, disgraceful way is okay. Not only okay, it should be honored. You know, everybody, I've said this before, but there's a long tradition in our country of anti-Catholicism. It was said famously, oh, about a century ago, the last acceptable prejudice in America's anti-Catholicism. But we shouldn't tolerate it. One thing I would say, since the Dodgers clearly are not responding um, to a decent appeal to reason, I I'd encourage my friends back in L.A. Look, I was auxiliary bishop for six years in L.A. I threw out the first pitch at a Dodgers game a few years ago. But I encourage my friends back there, boycott the Dodgers. May I say, too, especially my Hispanic friends, many of whom are big baseball fans out there, this is your religion. This is the religion of your family, of your abuela and abuelo, of your familia, your tradición. Why are we tolerating this? We shouldn't be tolerating it. Thank you. Wow. Because I would say well over 50% of the Dodgers fan base are Mexicans. Absolutely. Well over the 50% the, the of the Dodgers fan base are Catholics. And in fact, uh, around Dodger Stadium, for miles and miles, the only people that live around Dodger Stadium are Mexican Catholics for miles and miles. Go into that neighborhood, you ain't going to see, you're going to think you're in little Mexico. And the Dodgers have just insulted their fan base. Uh, <clears throat> Terry, I'll tell you, there's a connection between Biden here and, oh, yeah. uh, and Tell this. Us. Uh, yeah. Here's the connection. Biden had hired a homosexual who's confused. His name is Sam Brinton. He, he hired him to, to be part of his, uh, uh, his cabinet. He had a high-level high position, obviously. In, in, but we found out that this guy, Sam Brinton, not only is he a violator of the Sixth and Ninth Commandment, but uh, he's also a kleptomaniac. Anything yep. that's not tied down, th this guy cannot. <laughs> exactly. This guy cannot. Uh, uh, this guy steals. Not any, steal. Yeah, anything that's not tied down, Terry. This guy, Sam Brinton, this homosexual man that thinks he's a woman, he yeah. just takes it. Okay. Yep. So this guy, this guy, Sam Brinton, was hired by Joe Biden <laughs> to oversee. The, de the Department of Energy's Office of Nuclear Energy. He identifies as a non-binary non fluid person. And again, some of his legal troubles, the, the police have charged Sam Brinton uh, in October with stealing a traveler's baggage worth a total of $2,325 from right. the luggage carousel at the Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport. I was just there last week. Uh, also, in December... A Las Vegas prosecutor charged Sam Brinton, this confused individual with 
grand larceny of an item valued between $1,200 and $5,000. Police also accused Sam Brinton, who used to work for Biden. Again, he ran the Department of Energy's Office of Nuclear Energy. Unbelievable. Uh, the police have accused Brinton of stealing a suitcase where the total estimated worth of $3,670 on July 6th at Harry Reid International Airport in Las Vegas. The bag contained jewelry valued at $1,700, clothing worth $850, and makeup valued at $500. And earlier this month, Sam Brinton was arrested in Maryland as a fugitive from justice. Police later confirmed the arrest was related to a 2018 theft at Ronald Reagan Washington Airport, and a lawyer for a Tanzanian fashion designer said the theft was related to his client's baggage that contained custom designs. Uh, Terry, this guy yeah, was great also, character. Yeah, yeah. What, what, yeah you, you want this guy as your next door neighbor. This guy, not only he, not only is he a former employee of the Biden administration, a guy charged with multiple airport thefts. Yeah. But he, Terry, now we found out that he led the Washington, D.C. chapter of this anti-Catholic group, uh, Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. What a connection. And, and, and uh, they're the ones that the Dodgers have invited them to a pride night hosted by the L.A. Dodgers. Terry, I can't even believe it. The left is going crazy right now. Target, the Dodgers, yep. other other big woke organizations pushing the whole homosexual agenda. It's not even June. It's May 26. Yeah. Pride month that Obama signed in to, uh, to executive order doesn't start till June. If they're doing this two weeks before June, I'm telling you, Terry, June is going to be hell month. Every single one of these guys is going to come off like a, like a whack-a-mole, all these companies, and they're going to be forcing people to get homosexual hamburgers, homosexual hot dogs, homosexual gas, homosexual this and that. Uh, I don't know where it's going to end, Terry, but we've got to fight back as Catholics. Well, I'm hoping that once June starts and this starts happening and people start voting with their pocketbook and the uh, companies start realizing that it's undermining their financial position in the marketplace that they might just seriously consider backing out. And I hope and pray that all of us listening and people of goodwill will say, not on my watch because they will stop Jess, if the financials show that it's not profitable for them to do it. And I really believe with prayer and sacrifice, this can happen and that this June could be devastating to the homosexual movement to show that People are finally saying, look, I'm tired of this. Come on, it's a small percentage of the culture, and they're going to try and run my... No, I'm not going to put up with it. So I'm hoping that this will be our Catholic moment this June. Yeah, of course, we have a lot of Protestants and Jewish people of goodwill that agree with us. Amen. Yeah, and and I'll tell you, one of the things that uh, is... is Back in 1970... Before 1973... Yeah. Me, uh, a homosexuality was considered a mental disease, that's, a mental a disorder mm-hmm. prior to 1973. Guess what, Terry? Yep. Look at the actions of these sisters of perpetual indulgence, these drag queen story hours. Now I know why it was deemed a mental illness. Guess of what? Course. It should go back. It, the, 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 
the psychiatrists and psychologists should reinsert homosexuality as a mental illness in the DSM. All you have to do is look at the behavior of this group of people by their fruits. You will know them, Jesus Christ said. Sam Brinton is, there's a picture in this article. He's posing like a girl on a couch. It is, this is sick on a pink couch. It's sick. This man, he's a man, is one mentally sick, confused individual that needs a lot of prayer, boy. And to think that he used to work for Biden. Uh, Brinton not only has a problem with the sixth and ninth commandment, he also has a problem with the seventh commandment because, Terry, the guy's a big thief. Anything that, that's, that's not tied down, this guy picks it up in an airport. Well, well said, Jesse. And I think that the time is coming where uh, I believe people's eyes are opening up and seeing for what really is this movement of, you know, this idea of homosexuality being just, you know, normalized. Uh, that's not the case. When they see what's happening in our culture, I think more people of goodwill are going to come to the conclusion that <clears throat> this is wrong. I mean, even people who don't even practice any religion, I talk to them and they go, yeah, I, I can't figure it out. But you know what? Um, I, it's, I'm confused myself. Why would anybody want to um, have, you know, relations with a, a, another man? It's just, you know, it's just like, it's sick to even think like that. But uh, I think what really is going to change the hearts is really when they have that relationship with Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And when you give yourself to Christ and you want to love people with the truth, see, this is the difference we can't just say, hey, you guys are nuts. Get out of here. We're going to put you in the mental hospital. No, what we're going to do is love them with the gospel and not uh, uh, be phony and say, oh, well, God loves you just the way you are. No, he loves you too much to have you that way. He wants you to have the truth. And the truth is God made man and made woman and to complement each other, not Adam and Steve. It's Adam and Eve. Terry, something something that's trending on the internet is very interesting. What's that? The the word Pride Month. When you put it together, P R I D E M O N T H. Okay. Right, and when you put those words together, Pride yep. Month. The, the 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 name in between that long phrase is demon. Wow. Yeah. Oh my Pri- Pride Month. Just get a piece of paper and a pencil and yeah. write it down. Right. Pride Month, all together, one word. The letter right in the middle of Pride Month is demon. That's incredible. Interesting coincidence? I don't think so. And this guy, Sam Brinton, Terry, once again, he was also the chapter leader of this anti-Catholic group in Washington, D.C. Uh, he's it, This group that's been invited, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, they're a bunch of homosexual men from from uh, San Francisco, mm-hmm. uh, and and uh, this this drag queen group, what they do since the seventies, all they do is regularly mock the Catholic Church, yep. And they made headlines after they were uninvited, then they were reinvited to the upcoming Dodgers Pride Night. I'm glad to see Bishop Barron. Uh, I'm sure I haven't checked, but I'm sure Bishop Strickland's probably made a statement. Oh, he already made a comment last week on his show. Yep. Yep. He yeah, spoke we, we, out just like him. Hey, just just a yeah. quick note, Catholic Vote launches a one million dollar campaign calling for the Dodgers boycott. So 
a Catholic vote is going to spend a million dollars advertising and raising funds to tell people not to support uh, the Dodgers. And so this is a national organization. And uh, I think the Dodgers are going to realize that if they want to do this, they're going to pay a terrible price for the future. So I'm all for putting more pressure on the Dodgers to do the right thing. I just uh, I just spoke with uh, Catholic Vote this morning. Yeah. And they told me to, that's so I'm sharing it here on the radio show. Sure. They said that they're trying to uh, buy billboards around the Los Angeles what, area. A dollars, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. to notify people of what yep. is happening awesome. at Dodger Stadium. And here's what they told me. Not one billboard company in Los Angeles is allowing Catholic Vote to advertise. Can you believe that? <gasps> Not one believe- billboard. Yes, of course. I live in L.A. Amen. Wow, Jesse. Let's pray that that will change. Hey, when we come back, let's talk now about why the bishops are to blame for Catholic churches that are being empty. Why? Catechesis. We'll be back in a moment. Wow, Jesse, we're back. Can I make one more thought? You mentioned that Catholic vote wanting to spend a million dollars advertising to protest the Dodgers uh, program on promoting homosexuality and and, and a divisive lifestyle. Uh, I understand that they, uh, in here in LA, I remember trying to get buying airtime for radio stations 35 years ago and they wouldn't even do it because Catholicism is okay to discriminate. Anything else, you can't. So I get that. So this is what should fire us even more up regarding to fight this. All right, let's get to the next topic, Jess. Unless you got Terry, one there's, more. There's two people that have warned us about anti-Catholicism in this country. Yeah. Yeah. One was Archbishop Fulton Sheen. Oh yeah. He gave a whole talk on anti-Catholicism, and also uh, Dr. Arthur Schlesinger, a Jewish academic from Harvard University. Yeah. He's also said that the last acceptable sacrifice in the United States of America is anti-Catholicism. And also, just Catholic vote, I'm looking at the text that they sent me. I was talking to them this morning. They told me, uh, from this is from Brian Birch, he says, all the billboard companies have turned us down. Yeah. And and tonight, Facebook rejected our ads from Catholic vote, and Facebook and Meta has threatened to shut down our ads account over our Dodger ads. Wow. The company, the the billboard companies that shut us down that refused us was they're called Outfront, Lamar, and Clear and Channel. Huge, yeah, yeah. They're the big ones in LA. I get them. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. Why, oh. why, why bishops are to blame for emptying Catholic churches across Australia? This thing, article we can say this around the world. Absolutely. What's happening in Australia is just a microcosm of what's happening around the world. I'm just going to share a few articles. It's a pretty long article. Uh, yeah, and, and cause, because everything in this article describes why the Catholic churches are also closing in the United States. Here it is. Children are no longer taught the basic beliefs of the faith, such as the existence of mortal sin and hell. And subsequently, they see no reason to continue to go to church as adults. Yep. A group of Orthodox Catholics in Australia called New Perspectives for Catholic Education has discovered how the Australian bishops managed to convert a Catholic population in the 1960s, a large proportion of them, of whom were practicing the faith, into a population of mainly non-practicing Catholics. In doing so, is that it has exposed one of the biggest and most successful tricks of all time that was done by stealth and deceit. 
It reminds me of Dr. Von Hildebrand's book, The Trojan Horse in the City of God, yeah. Stealth and mm-hmm. Deceit. The bishop's deception of the lady needs to be publicly exposed and they shall be held accountable for their actions. In his book, Infiltration, Taylor Marshall provides evidence of a takeover of the Catholic Church from within around the time of Vatican II. Drastic changes in the Catholic religion definitely took place in the 1960s and the years after Vatican II. It is clear to everyone that the Catholic faith has been radically changed over the past 50 years and that the percentage of Catholics practicing the faith has been in steep decline since the 1970s. What is not clear is how all of this was brought about and why nobody was aware of the exact cause. It was achieved by the greatest deception of all time. The Catholic Church had always asserted that the, fa- that the Catholic faith cannot, in substance, change in its basic beliefs. So, Catholics never suspected that it would so. <laughs> in the 1970s, the bishops began teaching some of what was in the catechism, but not all of it. Exactly. The bishops, en- the, the bishops de-emphasized hell, mortal sin, the sacrament of reconciliation, the need to save your soul. In short, it was the traditional beliefs minus the need for individual morality and the need to save your soul. So the new approach to religious education by the bishops in the U.S. was called the discipleship approach. The previous method of Catholic religious education under the Baltimore Catechism was termed the salvation approach as it taught what the child needed to know to merit salvation. I'm going to make a comment here. This is because this really opened up my understanding and I've seen this. I remember when my kids went to Alamany High School, Crespi High School, and I was reading the student manual, the Catholic student manual. It said, it said this, and all the Catholic schools in LA say that. It says, we seek to make your children uh, uh, eight special agents of change and, <laughs> and promoters of, and disciples of the social gospel. It's in the manuals yeah. in Catholic schools in the LA diocese. I've read them. And yeah. so I, I, this article, what it's saying is this. We went from the Baltimore Catechism days to I've got to live in a state of grace. I've got to live a life free of mortal sin and yeah. save my soul. So we went from that to now you hear, and, and it sounds good. Don't get me wrong. They go, we want to make people missionary disciples. Don't get me wrong. That sounds good. That's even New Testament. But what yeah. do they mean by missionary disciples? They don't want to make them uh, the heralds of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They want to make them social justice warriors. They want to make them, uh, you know, t- they want them to carry the water for the woke left, but using the term discipleship, disciples, because that's a New Testament term, but they're not making them disciples for Jesus Christ, Terry. They're making them disciples for this woke ideology. Well said. And Jesse, this is happening even today. I mentioned off the air to you when I went to Holy Mass, the pastor was reading the gospel today that you read. And he said, and you notice Jesus didn't say, if you love me, you'll keep the commandments. You don't have to keep the commandments. Like, what? Oh, what? Are you kidding me? 
But you see, this is the mentality that's still going on. So the point of it is, is everybody's going to have universal salvation. We all get to heaven. Then why even bother to live a moral life? This is the problem. They call it that discipleship approach. What it really says to you is you can take it or leave it when it comes to religion. It's really not that important. And for many people, yeah, they, they leave it. As a matter of fact, Jesse, you know the statistic, 87% of the young people by the time they're 23 are not practicing the faith. What faith that was given to them? No, you know what was given to them? Be a nice person. Jesse, I can be a nice person and not go to church on Sunday. Exactly. Okay. And then Jesse, just to make one other point, this, you know, before 1970, children in Catholic schools were given intense training at the age of seven that there was mortal and venial sin on the existence of hell and how they could save their souls. This was to prepare for them for the reception of the sacraments of penance and holy communion. Now, again, young people, that's, I mean, this is why we at VMPR, we just came out with that little, you know, 12 little catechisms with, with a, a, like a, um, like a cartoon for little kids to learn the basic Baltimore catechism questions of the faith. And this is why we're coming and doing every Tuesday night, for adults, the fourth uh, cat uh, Baltimore Catechism number four for adults to convert them into the Catholic faith. But most of the people who come are just wanting to get a review because it was never given to them. And hundreds of people are watching this on the internet. You can too. Every just go to VMPR or go to, go to our full Sheen Ahead uh, YouTube channel, and you can see we just teach right out of the Baltimore Catechism. And I'm convinced this is one of the reasons, Jesse lack of catechesis, and the shepherds are supposed to teach, govern, and sanctify. And Bishop Strickland teaches out of the catechism, like a Baltimore catechism, every Tuesday here at VMPR. So you see why we think catechesis and teaching the people the substance of the faith is important? Because we've actually lived through a time where there's been such a mass exodus of people that we got to get the message. What we've been doing is undermining the faith because we haven't been teaching the faith. Yeah, so <laughs> even when mortal sin is presented under the discipleship approach, yeah, there's a diluted notion of it. Oh, yeah. under, under the discipleship approach after the 70s, the same three criteria are taught, but consider, considerable emphasis is given to mitigating circumstances. That is, factors that can reduce personal culpability, they're encouraged to use these as an excuse or justification. But prior to the 1970s, mitigating circumstances were regarded as something might, that God might take into consideration at our judgment and determine if, if or not our unforgiven mortal sins merited us being sent to hell. Yeah. But under the new approach, we usurp God's discretion, which in practice means most people excuse themselves and believe they remain in good standing with God despite being in serious mortal sin, like Biden and Pelosi and others. It has reached the stage where many Catholics today doubt that it is ever possible to commit mortal sins. The discipleship approach yep. to religious education has been operating in sacramental programs in the Australian Catholic school system, I dare say even the U.S., Yep, and state sure. school systems and, and in parishes for 50 years now. The discipleship approach 
emphasizes the perspective that Catholics aim to join Christ as disciples within a community of love and acceptance. Everybody's yeah, welcome. Yeah, all have, are welcome. Yeah, exactly. Have you noticed the word repentance is not part of the catechesis? No, post-1970 it isn't. Right, no, no, no repent and believe no. in the gospel. That's so basic no. to the gospel. And I see that even today at homilies, like one I got today, nothing about repentance. And you see, this is really uh, a tragedy. I, I actually think it's a, it's a catechesis abuse. In other words, you're not giving the people the, the full gospel. That's a problem. Jess, I want to ask you, though, um, the last thing on catechesis, you grew up in that period. What, what, when you found out that this was baloney, didn't you just go like, <laughs> wait a minute. I feel like I've been deceived. I remember you saying that to me. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think every one of us, we, we say, once you discover the, the true teachings of the Catholic church, yeah, like what? You, you say, I've been robbed. Yes, exactly. Well, you don't need to be robbed now because here at VMPR, we've got lots of resources for you, and I'm sure lots of other good folks are out there teaching the faith. Hey, Jess, this is so important when we come back. 14 simple steps to Eucharistic revival that won't cost $28 million that bishops are going to plan to spend, which I think is a waste. Uh, I think you could do what Bill Lawler said. Stay with us to find out what he said. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. We're back. Two men with a PhD in common sense. <laughs> with two, two, two real disciples of Jesus Christ that teach about mortal sin, death, Man. judgment, heaven and hell, repent, evangelism, yep. believe in the gospel, surrender your life to Christ, work on your interior life. We promote the fullness of the faith here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. So the bishops are launching a $28 million boondoggle. It's called the National Eucharistic Revival a four-year program aimed at trying to restore devotion to the great mystery of our faith here in the U.S. Terry, I slap my forehead when I read the U.S. Bishop's article, and I say, since the end of Vatican II, 1965, they still don't get it. They yeah. still don't get it. But Philip Lawler does. People like you yeah. and I, we do. And yeah. Philip Lawler, a great friend of the show, has written an article 14 Simple Steps to Eucharistic Revival. I've been saying this for years. What he just oh, wrote yeah. down, I've been saying this for years, so we're tracking in the same direction. Yep. The, the bishops could keep all that money in their pocket and do something beneficial with that money. They should need to follow the 14 steps that uh, Philip Lawler just has written down. And if the bishops would, would, would accomplish this objective, it would cost little or next to nothing. Yeah. So here's the first thing they should do, Terry, for a for a real Eucharistic revival. Real number one, en encourage the practice of receiving communion, kneeling, a traditional posture of reverence, and on the tongue. If the bishop favors this practice, he might announce that it will be normative whenever he celebrates Mass. Number two, and I'll just mention: no, actions speak louder let me, than words. Let me just mention something. I'm going to yeah, speak at. I'm not going to say which one before they cancel me. I'm going to be speaking at one of these Eucharistic revivals. This sure. guess, guess what my talk's going to be on right here. I'm going to the real, how to restore. What? How to restore? 
uh, yeah. Uh, my my, so my talk is gonna, I'm I'm gonna just print out Philip Lawler's article. Yeah. That's gonna yeah. be my talk at Good. the U- Eucharistic Revival that I'm gonna be at. Awesome, Jesse. Well, again, actions speak louder than words. Number two, encourage priests and ushers to watch carefully to ensure that the communicants consume the blessed sacrament. Yeah, please do that. Number three, Jess. Encourage the faithful to receive communion from consecrated hands. Discourage the routine reliance on extraordinary ministers, particularly when there are enough priests and deacons on hand to distribute communion. Terry, let me just mention one thing. In the exorcism of Emily Rose, the transcripts are on the internet. You can read them. Yeah. And the demon under orders by the priest was ordered to tell the truth about something, give some information. And the demon said, he said, we convinced the Belgian bishops to start, to start uh, uh, promoting communion in the hands. And then the demon corrected himself. The demon said, and these are on the transcripts. The demon said, Oh, excuse me. Uh, We, we, we convinced the bishop to start having the humans receive communion on their paws. The demons call our dirty, unconsecrated hands paws. And wow. guess what? That's probably what it looks like on a spiritual level when we're opening up our paws to receive God himself, which we do not deserve to hold in our hands. Yeah, well, wow, that's uh, encouraging. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it just shows again how diabolical this really is. Okay, encourage the present Remain for a few minutes after Mass in prayerful thanksgiving. Discourage social gatherings in the pews after Mass, which happens so much. Encourage parishioners to take their conversation outside or to the church basement. I've had that so many times, even at our chapel, where people want to talk. And I say, come on, we can talk outside. It's not appropriate. Terry, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you who does this right. The Latin Mass parishes. Of course. Uh, right, right after... The, uh, the the benediction, the final benediction, and yeah. after the priest prays, actually, the three Hail Marys, the St. Michael, uh, the Archangel prayer, and the Hail Holy Queen, people still stay after for a few minutes and yeah. do their thanksgiving. You don't see that as much in the Novus Ordo Mass. I, I will say it, I, about 10% of people that attend the Novus Ordo Mass will stay after and make an act of thanksgiving yeah. in, the, in, in, in the Latin Mass. I would say 99% of people stay a few minutes after and make thanks. Number five, encourage regular confession, discourage the, the assumption that everyone will receive communion at every Mass. Encourage ushers to be sensitive to the privacy of those who do not come forward for communion. Discourage spontaneous First Communion by non-Catholics at weddings and funerals. Yeah, you find a lot of the ushers, they're pressuring people to receive communion. They, they, they're, they're walking down and with their left hand or right hand, they're saying, come on, let's go. Everybody, let this, this pew up, this pew up. And they're waving everybody uh, to yeah. come to communion as if, as, again, assuming that everybody's in mortal sin. Go ahead. Yeah, Jesse Will said, encourage prisoners to realize that they must not receive the Eucharist if they are not in the state of grace. See, that's not being taught. Discourage the reception of communion by public figures who are causing scandal like Biden and Pelosi. We've got to make that clear because if you don't make that clear, then you're losing the significance for people to say, well, anybody can receive. That that needs to be done. Continue, Jess. Number seven, encourage a spirit of recollection during the celebration of the Eucharistic sacrifice. Discourage haste, 
encourage silence, discourage constant background music. Again, that's you find that built into the Latin mass, which is said there. Go ahead. Yeah, Jesse, I'm going to switch because of the time. Number nine, encourage the use of Eucharistic prayer one, the Roman canon, which is more closely connected to the tradition of the temple sacrifice and offers a greater prayerful ex exposition of the Eucharistic sacrifice. And the reason I think you made a good point, discouraging Eucharistic prayer two, which was written in haste. Matter of fact, it was written by the Anglicans. And I, I learned that from Bishop Snyder's book. Uh, was written in haste and seems to be uh, being favored simply because it's shorter in time. Now, if a priest has a valid reason for needing to finish the mass quickly, can I make a suggestion, he said? Make a shorter homily because <laughs> the canon is more important than the homily. Mm. Go ahead, Jess. Number 10, encourage priests to celebrate Mass at Orientum oh, so huge. that the focus of attention is on the altar rather than the celebrant. Discourage priests from making themselves the center of attention. Number 11. And Jesse, just to make a quick note, I've been repeating this. Vatican II never said the priest had to, uh, had to face the people. He said it was nope. permitted, but look at the rubrics of what was said. The church says, the Lord be with you, right? He turns around and says that to you. What's that implying? He's not facing you. If that would one thing would take place at Orientum, I think that would be huge because people would realize who we're worshiping, not man, but we're worshiping, worshiping God. As Bishop Sheen said at the 1976 Eucharistic Congress, when he said, let's have the Adorantum, he said, because what do we think we priests are, some tin God? That's what Bishop Sheen said. I just happen to Ooh. agree with him. Ooh. Go ahead, Jess. 11, encourage every organic practice of devotion to the yeah. Eucharist, kneeling, genuflecting, fasting, yeah. etc. Even if it's not obligatory, discourage any public denigration of Eucharistic piety. If a preacher, theologian, or bishop, or cardinal says that we put too much emphasis on the Eucharist, correct him. Number this 12. This is huge. huge. Number 12. Encourage the placement of the tabernacle in the center of the sanctuary, reflecting the centrality of our Eucharistic presence discourage the use of a prominent central presider's chair that overshadows the blessed sacrament. I'll say it again. Bishop, she made it. What do you think you are? Some kind of tin God priest? You know, sitting in that presidential chair? No, we got to put the emphasis on Christ, not on man. Yes. Uh, also, number 13, encourage, encourage Eucharistic processions, discourage liturgical abuses. In fact, take stern disciplinary action against priests who are guilty of liturgical abuses to show the faithful that these are serious offenses. Jesse, that is so huge because we got guys blessing uh, people with a guitar, like a benediction. And what happens to the guy in Chicago? Nothing. Subic says nothing. Yeah, We've got I, Perry, to bring I, back discipline. The, the, the guy in Chicago, I forget his yeah. name. Yeah. He's on, he's on YouTube. He's dancing on top of the altar yeah. during the homily. He's standing on the altar dancing, and Jesse, he's still the pastor, Terry, of St. Sabina. And, and you know what, Jesse, what bothers me, we need to call our, our bishops out and, and respectfully that when we have a priest who wants to do adorantum, I have priest friends that are canceled because they did that. They brought the communion rails, they put the Blessed Sacrament back in the center of the church, and they get reprimanded for that. But somebody who does some crazy bozo mass, you know, bozo the clown mass, it's okay. This needs to stop. And we're not in management. We're in sales. But we're asking our bishops to take their leadership because the way you worship is the way you believe. Yeah. And, and Terry, uh, you can even see, uh, 
I'll, I'll tell you where all these liturgical abuses started from. Tell I'm going to lay, I'm gonna lay the, these at the feet of Cardinal Roger Mahoney, who's still alive. <laughs> yeah. Um, he started what's called the Religious Education Congresses. And he started with these, with these modernist liturgies. Yeah. Everything that you see around the country that's wrong, that's liturgically improper, it came from the Los Angeles Religious Education Congress. Then again, people are saying, wow, this is the largest diocese in the world. This is the largest religious gathering in the world. It is, 40,000 people. That's right. And so the catechists, flying from all over all 50 states and their bishops send there oh you got to go to the alley re congress this year and and bring and bring the new teachings back into the parish back into our diocese so the other states send their catechists as envoys to learn the modernist garbage yeah. from from the la re congress they come back to these little little dioceses in montana and wyoming and they implement all of this this is how roger mahoney has been a- able to export modernism and liturgical abuse all over the united states it's that man who's 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 uh, the, the problem with everything that's gone on in the liturgy because of this monster that he's created called the L.A. Wreck. And remember, Mother Angelica called him out when he came out with that document about the liturgy, Faithfully We Gather. And uh, yes, Jesse, it was me that sent the document to Mother Angelica, and I'm proud to say I did it, and it was because it was the right thing to do. She called him out, and I, I pray, Mother, that intercede for us. If you're in heaven, which I think you are, pray for us because we need a Eucharistic revival, a true Eucharistic revival. Jess Romero, wow, what a show. What (laughs) state should we be living in, brother? State of grace. Don't live in a state of of mortal sin. And don't don't follow the practices at the Mass, at the Los Angeles Religious Education. Don't follow those liturgical practices. They're wrong. Yeah, and... Remember Our Lady of Fatima, she said it so well. All these sacrileges that are going on, we can make reparation for them. She says souls are going to hell because no one is there to make sacrifices and praying for those conversions. We unite our suffering with Jesus Christ on the cross at every mass. So when you go to mass this weekend, if you go today on a Friday, remember to unite your little inconveniences, your sufferings with the sufferings of Christ for the salvation of a soul that you know, especially your loved ones. May God richly bless you and your family. God bless you.